and February is, February, like a lot of other months, um, lots of stuff happening in February, which you may not be aware of. Some of it, some of it you know. So February uh, is, is Black History Month um, coming up. Um, you know, it's also Valentine's Day. So I'm giving all of you advance notice to get something together for your partners. Um, February 14th is Valentine's Day. You know what February 15th is? National Signal Singles Day. Right on the heel of Valentine's Day. Yeah. Other, other, other of my favorite days in February. Um, 3rd of February, National Carrot Cake Day. February 9th, National Pizza Day is also a good day. Uh, and this month, we also have Super Bowl Sunday for the Super Bowl f football fans out there. Um, it happens to be the month Ava, my girlfriend, celebrates her birthday as well. Um, and, and February is also National Wedding Month, which I thought was interesting because people get married all through the year, probably because it's connected to Valentine's Day. So there's a lot of things to celebrate in February. And speaking of it being National Wedding Month, it's an interesting month for me all the time because I did get married in February. I actually got married the day before Valentine's Day. I think it was a plot to make sure I would never forget the date of my anniversary. Uh, but I remember, I remember at the time, uh, Jennifer, who many of you know, uh, we were looking for places to get married on Valentine's Day because we thought it would be romantic. Could not find an available place to get married on Valentine's Day. Every single place was booked up, reserved years in advance. Some people actually told us there were people who reserved the place even though they weren't engaged, just in case. Yeah, that was the thing. And they said, but if you want to get married the day before, we got a full slate open. So we did that. We got married February 13th, 1999. If she were alive today, we would likely be celebrating our 23rd anniversary. Assuming I didn't mess something up along the way, which is entirely possible. But here I am. Here I am. And February, as a result, becomes an interesting month for me. Uh, she passed away seven years ago, and, and my journey navigating this experience we call grief has been interesting. It's definitely gotten for lack of a better word, milder over the years, but it's still very unpredictable. I remember the first year, February 13th rolled around, and I didn't remember that it was our anniversary. This happened a few years ago, and I felt horrible as a result of it. And then there are some years where I did remember, and it didn't hit me emotionally. And then there are other years where I know it's coming and I could feel the swell of emotions begin to rise. This year happens to be one of those such years. So I never know what's going to happen. Same thing around her birthday, same thing around Mother's Day, same thing around the anniversary of the day she actually died. I don't know what's going to happen. And for the first few years, I was on high alert. 
high alert for whatever might happen. I would give the people around me lots of warnings. I'd say, hey, this is what's happening in a couple weeks. So please already forgive me for whatever I'm about to say in the next two weeks because I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. So just give me a little more extra leeway during that time leading up to it and right after it and during it because <laughs> I just never know. And sometimes I go through that time and I'm my usual, normal, funny, hilarious, charming self. And other times, uh, thank you, Jim, I appreciate that. <laughs> And other times, I end up being withdrawn and sullen and borderline mean, though some people would argue, no, it wasn't borderline, my friend. You crossed the border. You did a full incursion into meanness. I was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. But this is, this is the journey. This is the journey. And for many of us, we stand in that place of asking ourselves, when will it end? When will this stop? When will I come to a place where this is no, I no longer have to be on heightened alert, where I no longer have to experience these swells and these troughs? And when will that time come? The last two years have been interesting for all of us because of this pandemic. Some of us have lost loved ones. And for some of us, our lives continued fairly unchanged. But what many therapists, psychologists, researchers have realized is that we are all feeling this sense of loss. Whether it's because we have Again, personally suffered loss. We know people who have. We've heard about all the deaths around the world, in our nation, in our towns, in our cities. We know people who've lost jobs. We know relationships that have ended. While we may not have suffered loss directly, we've all felt what they call ambiguous loss. We can't necessarily point to something but we just don't feel the same. None of us have felt the same in the last two years. And now we're rolling into a third year, and we're like, oh, when's it going to end? When is this going to end? I have good news and bad news. Let's start with the bad news. It ain't going to end. And I don't mean the pandemic specifically. I mean losses in our life and I mean grief, it's not going to end. Loss is as much a part of our life as life is a part of our life, as love is a part of our life. It just is, it's a constant. Not one that we relish in, but it's a constant. But it's a constant we don't like. We don't like it because we don't like how it makes us feel. We don't like how it feels when we're in it. And we want to get rid of it. And, and part of why we want to get rid of it is, again, that perhaps that fear that it won't end, that we will always be in this. And fear is a thing that 
upends us, right? Fear, many of you are familiar with this saying, false evidence appearing real. I hate this. You know why? Because sometimes I got real evidence. I got real evidence. I sat with my wife as she drew her last breath. My daughter wailing, I'm crying, her parents, my mom, my sister, we were all there. That image, that feeling, those sounds, the smells, forever seared in my memory. I got evidence. So, I say we get rid of this one. (laughs) False evidence appearing real. I got evidence, and it was real. And what often happens, what I've experienced is that when I allow the fear to keep dominating my life, it makes me want to do this. Run. Yeah. And I did that too. I ran from you guys. I just started a, I don't know if you remember this, but Jennifer died in 2015 in June, and in January I just started a job in Massachusetts as the minister of a unity church in Massachusetts. And we got her diagnosis. I'd given my talk the first Sunday in January, and we got her diagnosis that Tuesday. So I just started, I mean like just started. The new car smell wasn't even off my suit yet. And we got that diagnosis. And when I told the board president up there in the board, they actually said to me, hey, you know, if you want to get out of this and go back home, like, we understand. We understand. And part of why I said no was because I was afraid. I was afraid of the enormity of what it would take to come back, navigate that journey with my daughter, undoubtedly coming back to be part of this community and navigate that too. It felt like a lot. And my brain, I was like, well, if I stay there, at least, you know, I have a distraction. I have a future I can begin to build to help take care of my daughter. Plus, I don't have to help navigate a community who's just lost their minister. I'm going to have enough to deal with. So I said, F everything, and I'm running. So I did that, too. And that's what grief does to us if we allow our fear of it to run the show. We sang Jesus take the wheel, but a lot of times we let fear take the wheel of the car. We let fear take the wheel. 
think I mentioned this before, Buddhist teacher Tara Brock says of fear, it is the anticipation of future pain. The anticipation of future pain. We don't like pain and we want to do everything we can to avoid pain. But pain is not a bad thing. Pain's just pain. It's just pain. It is an objective thing we can feel, we can experience. It's just pain, but the meaning we give to it is what decides the role it plays in our life. And if we take a step back to realize that grief, loss, pain are just constants in our life like everything else, then we have another option, which is to face everything and relax. And I don't mean relax like put my seat back and put my feet up on the dashboard. Not that kind of relax. Relax as in stop resisting and to allow ourselves to be carried by the current. Whether that current is joy, peace, sadness, grief, face everything and relax. When we relax, we can finally begin to forgive. And forgive, I like to define it as simply living from love. Living from love. A lot of Jesus coming up today. Remember what, Je- what would Jesus do? Remember the bracelets? Remember that whole movement, what would Jesus do, right? So what would love do? What would love do? If I wasn't in so much pain and my heart was open and I could live from love, what would I do? Because we don't feel that way every time, but we can think that way every time if we remember to in the moment. We don't need to heal from grief. Grief is the healing. And a word about that word healing. When we say the word heal, a lot of times what we do is we use it in a way when really what we mean is cure or fix or stop or get rid of. Think about the times you've used the word heal. I have an illness that I want to be healed from. What we really tell ourselves is, I want this illness to be gone. I want a miracle. I want to heal a relationship. I want to fix it. I want to get it back to the way it was. Think about how you use that word heal. Because for me, that's not what it means. When we talk about healing ourselves, we're not talking about fixing parts of us that are broken. Intrinsically, we're not broken. We're always whole. That is our essence. That is the deep truth of who we are. So for me, healing is getting me to that place where I can, in the midst of all that's going on, 
Remember to live and choose from my wholeness. This does not mean I don't feel sad or angry or the loss, the grief, the pain, the suffering. It doesn't mean I don't feel these things, but what it means is that in the midst of feeling these things, I don't resist them. I relax into them. It means I continue to choose from the wholeness that I am, even at times I don't want to. It means being brave and being mindful to go, I am feeling pain right now, and as a result, I have hurt you. And I am sorry. That's healing. Living from my wholeness. To live from our wholeness, we have to surrender to the very thing we don't want to feel, that we're trying to get away from, we're trying to move from, that we're exhausted, that we're tired of. And, and, and to be clear, it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't look at the circumstances around us and say some things need to change. That's not what I'm saying. You can discern that. But if we start with the thought that if I change out there, I will change in here, then we're doing it bass backwards. We have to come to peace with here. And from that place, discern what out here needs to change, if anything. We live from the inside out, and it's so hard to get clarity on the inside when grief is squeezing our hearts. Here's the thing about our hearts. They're very malleable. They got nowhere to go, but they're going to just form themselves around everything transform, mutate, because our hearts, the essence of who we are, which is love, is greater than anything else that we believe we're going through right now. It is greater than the pain, the loss, the suffering, the griefs, whether they are known griefs or unknown griefs. It's better than the malaise. It's better than the depression. And, and, and again, when we center there first, then we can discern and be clear about what is ours to do. So how do we continue to navigate this? We, turn, we, we begin to turn grief itself into a spiritual practice. When I say spiritual practice, what do I mean? What is a spiritual practice? Spiritual practice is anything that we take on on a regular basis that allows us to be more mindful about ourselves and our relationship to the divine of who we are. Meditation is a spiritual practice, right? Because when we meditate, the idea is that we attempt to quiet the mind, still the monkey chatter, and connect with that still small voice within us. Anything that helps us get deeper within ourselves is a spiritual practice. Anything that helps us know ourselves more is a spiritual practice. Because to know myself, the truth 
of myself is to know God because that's the essence of what I am. It's the essence of what you are as well. And when I face the grief and relax into it, and it opens me up because, because honestly, we're grieving because we loved so much. Here's another saying I don't like that I'm really tired of hearing. Grief is love with no place to go. That's a load of crap. <laughs> I had a place for it to go. <laughs> and honestly, and honestly, there are a zillion places that love can go. And one of those places is right back on myself. Grief is a reminder that I love, not loved, that I love. And can I turn some of that love back on myself? Can I love myself more deeper, more fuller, and come into an awareness even more of who I am? That's a spiritual practice. So when these swells of grief come, whether they be huge tidal wave types or you know, just gentle bobbing on the shore, whatever it is. Allow yourself to imagine yourself, like lay float, lay, you know, on your back, lay floating on the water and just moving with it, not resisting it. Let the sadness, let the pain come. Notice it. Identify what it is. This hurts. This is painful. Don't seek to get rid of it. Give yourself the time, the space and grace, I call it, to sit in it. And you might be like, I'm so tired of sitting in this. And I'll be like, yeah, but guess what? The only way out is through. The only way out is through. And honestly, there's no out. <laughs> it's really just through. And what you'll realize after some time of this practice, of acknowledging the things that grief poke at, the questions that it brings up that makes us afraid, will I ever love this way again? Am I gonna be stuck in loneliness? All these questions. Allow them to sit unanswered. Because the truth is, the answer might be yes, the answer might be no. Can we allow ourselves to sit in the not knowing? Until the not knowing no longer scares us. Can we allow ourselves to sit in the pain until the pain no longer scares us. That is our practice of grieving that brings us to a deeper sense of ourselves. Love is what got us into this mess in the first place. And love is what's gonna get us through it. So, as we roll into the third year of this exhaustive malaise of the pandemic,
as we remember whether the losses came as a result of it or before it. Whether the pandemics is exacerbated and exaggerated all the pains that we felt before it started. Let us remember to love ourselves through it and allow the grief, the feelings that arise because of loss to take us deeper. To take us deeper. Let's meditate. So if you're comfortable, plant both feet on the floor. While your arms rest in your lap and if you're comfortable, gently close the eyes and connect with the breath and notice as you are connecting with your breath what feelings are arising in you right now. And whatever is arising, allow it. Allow yourself to relax into it. Give yourself the gift of being present to yourself, with yourself, and all that arises from yourself. Allow grief to be a practice of being present to yourself. To embrace the sadness of that which you have lost and the reminder of the deep love that was present. Invite your hearts to remain open. Open to the pain. So that through love, we can transform that pain into presence.
Ours is not to avoid, but to allow. And in so doing, we find our way back to living from wholeness. Living from love. I live from love. I live from love. Let us affirm that to ourselves silently for a few moments. I live from love. I live from love. Let us ground ourselves in this today and every day moving forward. And so it is, and so we let it be. Amen and amen. And a final reminder, none of us have to navigate this alone. We have each other. And this community is here in support of you. If you ever need someone to sit with you, mourn with you, grieve with you, cry with you, be inappropriately weird in things you say with you, I'm here. We also have our prayer chaplain team who's also here to sit with you. Who are prayer chaplains today? Edie and is that Carol, right? Uh, so connect with them. Connect with me. Reminder that Unity has a 24-hour prayer service, Silent Unity. You can reach them on your phone or online at any point in time. And someone will be there with you. This is your unique journey. And you don't have to do it all alone.